What's up, everyone, and welcome to Offbeat Podcast. Man, I'm your host, Jorge Ambriz, and I'm right here with Aaron Ortega. Man, what's up, what's up man? It's uh it's been a it's been a while since our last uh podcast episode, man, and uh you know, we we're so so excited to have released that first episode, uh my offbeat story. Um, and uh, I want to just thank everyone, man, that uh, tuned in, that has watched it uh, via YouTube, via Spotify, via Apple. Man, thank you guys so much. And uh, everyone on social media, thank you guys so much also for, for all the feedback, man. Uh, we had a lot of positive feedback. And, and that's why today... I'm excited. Yeah. Are you excited, Aaron? Yeah. Oh, I'm ready, bro. I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited, man, because today I get to interview my good friend, my good buddy, Aaron Ortega, What's man. Up? Bro, are you ready? I'm ready, dude. Let's go. Oh, man, dude. I'm excited, man. And so, yeah, and we just want to continue this, uh, this series, our offbeat stories. And uh, that way you guys can get to know who we are. Yeah. Right? That's right. And, uh, and at the same time, we get to have fun, man. Yeah, exactly, bro. So, um, but yeah, so today, it's all about you, Aaron. And uh, man, and we've known each other already for... For a good couple of years now. Yeah, I want to say, I think, I was thinking about it the other day, and I think we met in, um, I believe it was in 2011. Yes, that was a long time ago. When you think about it, huh? Yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah, 2000, it was I did like, not realize that we, that was, I did not realize that. Yeah, and I remember it was it was a time when uh, it was a time when they were doing like the uh, it was like a, a prayer, like a citywide prayer thing. Okay, yeah. And, and I believe I, I know your dad was leading that around that time, and then mm. that's when um, uh, my pastor met your dad, and they hit it off, and we yeah. just and then from there, yeah. I met you, yeah. and uh, and since then, man, we've just kind of yeah. So, but today, man, uh, we want to just hear about you and. So why don't you tell us, man, like, what was, where were you born? Uh, I was born in California, in Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah, I was born there, and then I was raised here in San Bernardino County, um, over in the city of Grand Terrace. So I always find Grand Terrace is a very small little town that is a cousin of the city of Colton yeah. and the cousin of Riverside. And so, yeah, but yeah, that's where I was born and raised at. Okay, cool, cool, man. Yeah, so Angel fan? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Dodger sorry. fan, that's bro. Like a Dodger. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's funny. That's a funny story, but yeah, I grew up, most of my family were Angel fans, but I grew up going to Dodger games, and, yeah. and I know more Dodger players, and I'm like, no, man, I'm a Dodger. Dodgers, baby. Yeah. That's what's up, man. Let's go. Yeah, so, and then how was, uh, so how was your childhood, man? How was, how was that, man, growing up? Well, yeah, that, it was very interesting because um, when I was born, I was born with a birth defect. And so I had microgia and I have microgia. And microgia is um, it's a form of little ear. And so when I was born on both sides, I had, there was no canal and there was no like opening. It was just like flat. And so when I was born, the first question was, can he hear? Yeah. And so as I got older, they would start crushing cans and I was responding to the crushing of cans. And so by the age of four, um, I had my first operation. And they on my right side, they opened up the canal and they had this, they just made a hole. And then that was my first operation. So from age to four, to, I wanna say to 12, 
I had about nine operations. Wow. So what you see on my, my ear, it's not, that's not how I was born. I was born with that. There was nothing there. And yeah. so um, I have, they took my rib. They took both my ribs. They, 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 like, they grabbed my ribs and they formed the cartilage in my ear. And then they started oh. doing skin grafts in my inner thighs and then over the years. So growing up, that, I grew up with that. So That's interesting, man. Let's talk about that a little bit because, I mean, you know, here you are, you know, you're, you know, at the age of four, you have your, your first surgery, right? Yeah. First operation. I mean, and at the age of four, I mean, do you recall anything at, yeah. in the beginning going through that? So that, that's, that's so interesting that you say that because um, I think... I have a hard time remembering details in yeah. my childhood because I think that has a lot to do with physical trauma. Um, it was really hard on my body. And so, um, and then the am amnesia, right? Yeah. Uh, the gas thing where they put you to sleep. Yeah. That has some sort of an effect on me. So like, so like my memory, sometimes looking back, I don't remember, it's all vague, but I do know growing up, I had a lot of like physical trauma I had a lot of social anxiety and most of, I had a lot of like people engagement were all doctors or nurses. And so when I was, and it, it really made an impact on me because I, I really couldn't hear really well. And my hearing is okay. It's not really, it's not a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I can hear on both sides, but yeah, growing up, um, I didn't really, I had a lot of social, uh, cues that were not really quite developed. I had a speech impediment, and so I couldn't really speak very well. Um, and my balance was off because of the that part of the dirt, my defect of being born. And so... Yeah, because they do say that a lot of your, a lot of the balance does come from, from, your ears. from our ears. Yeah, and so um, the doctor growing up uh, would say, okay, like playing football, uh, that could, that would be a big risk to his ribs, you know, um, playing, you know, or doing some sports and he's not going to have the good balance. And so I was pretty stubborn as a kid. Um, so yeah, so that, that was me. And that, that was just me dealing with what I'm dealing with physically, you know, but that's when I was born, you know, I was born into a pastor home. My dad's a pastor. My mom's yeah. a pastor. My mom's all my life. I see my mom as a manager because she was always a manager or a boss of something yeah. in the world that she comes in. And my mom's and my dad's a pastor. So being a pastor's son, as you can imagine, I had a lot of eyes on me. But then yeah. now having this birth defect, I had a lot of eyes on me. But yeah. it was just it was just two different kinds of spotlights. Yeah. And, and, and let me ask you, because I know we, you, you mentioned that, you know, because of the pain, the trauma, you know, and because of the, the procedures that you went through, you, you couldn't really remember a lot. But when is it that you feel, at what age do you feel that you say, man, like, there is something different about me? And you started to feel that pressure of the eyes, the spotlight on you. Um, so I want to say about the age of nine or 10. Yeah. Um, and this is, it's awful. Is it from like an experience or something? It's an awful experience. It's awful. Talk and, about it, man, let's go. Um, so I would go to this mall called Inland Center Mall here in San Bernardino. Okay, Sanardino. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Inland Center Mall, there used to be a store called KB Store. Uh, KB Toy Store. Okay, okay. Yeah, and it's like a toy store, I love it. And it was so much fun. How, maybe this is not 
it's just the parenting was different back then. And so I would go with my mom and my mom would drop me off at the store and she said, I'll be back, don't leave the store. Okay, okay. okay yeah, so yeah. I used to go down every aisle and play with every toy I can get my hands on. And I'm just right there playing with like the army toys and anything, yeah. any action figure, I was there, you know? And one time, this one experience, and I, it really, it really kind of just um, impacted me really hard. Um, I'm right here on the floor and I'm playing with the toys. I'm playing with the WrestleMania toys. And I hear a kid say, ew, look. Right? And I'm like, what's the ill? What's the, what's the, what, what is it? And his finger is pointing at me. And his other friends are right there. He goes, look at his ears. Look at his ears. He's like, oh my God, he's a monster. And oh, I go, man. and I just remember just feeling that I'm just like, and he was just like another child. He was, he was just, just a, a, he was an older kid, and I just remember feeling, oh, like, yeah. And I, I would never forget that feeling. It was just like I just melted. I just something about me that I was happy about myself. Just it just, like my happiness, everything I was at that kid, just left my body. Yeah, and that's crazy, man. Because I mean, it's it's interesting because I mean. You know, when we when we hear different life stories, man, you know, I think that one thing that we can all relate to is the power of an experience, mm -hmm. the power of an experience, whether it's positive or whether it's negative and the power of words, man. A hundred percent. You know, because like you said, you were at that point, you thought, hey, man, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm happy with myself. Your parents probably did, were doing a great job, mm -hmm. you know, of of, um, you know, sheltering that in a way i guess you could say i don't know if you want to call it sheltering but i mean they're good job of like you know of feeding your your, your self-esteem and then it just takes boom yeah one experience yes and i you know my relationship with my parents i have one older sister she's six years older than me and we're she's six years older and in between those six years my parents lost six they had six miscarriages. Oh wow! And so I was the seventh try, and so like I remember growing up, and we, you know, our parents, our parents were me and my sister. We're very, we're like we are best friends with our my our parents. Like we have a we have a very close family, and we would go to like this desert in California called um, Glamis. And oh so okay, yeah, Glamis, you guys, we you guys grew are up, always there. <laughs> oh yeah, every winter we go and we ride our quads, and I was really good at it. Yeah, and um. And that really like allowed me to just let everything out, you know? And, um, but, and then in the summer we would go to like uh, Nevada and we would go to like, you know, boating, jet skis, you know, water skiing, all that stuff. And so we had incredible experience growing up. Yeah. And, but I, when it came outside my family, I was just really shy. I was really, um, I had a lot of it. Uh, Anxiety. I didn't know I had a lot of social anxiety, and I didn't to the point that I was sweating through my shirt. And then the idea of even like even the just talking to a girl, yeah, was uh, like that was like a forbidden. There's no way, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. That's it's that's that's wild, man. Because you know when you're sharing this, man it really does come out to, you know, it really does come off like, man, like, you you know, because last, last episode I was able to share a little bit of my childhood, and then today you share your childhood. And even though our childhoods were completely different, yeah. you know, but what you 
had to go through at a, even at a, at a young age to already have those feelings. You know what I mean? Like I can't imagine that because the thing is that you know you having to feel what you felt and and the social anxiety that you went through and not knowing that it was social anxiety at that time. You know, was, just, I don't even think it was like a terminology back then. Yeah, and, and then also um, the feelings I had about myself, I had very low self esteem. Yeah. I actually believed that I was like ugly, a monster, yeah. and so like when I got to my adolescence, and like even like I remember liking girls, and I'm like, man, that girl's so pretty. That girl, you know, I I like her, but like, but there was always like a but, like. Yeah. You connect. You're not gonna grow up and get married. You're a monster. And if you have babies, you're gonna give. You're gonna produce more monsters. Like you're yeah. gonna have. You're gonna like. Yeah. If you have kids, I that was always the first thing. I think by the age of like 14, 15, I realized I don't want to ever get married, and I don't ever want to be in a relationship because I don't want uh, to burden somebody else. And I, I and I know that no girl would ever want to marry me. Dude, that's crazy to already be at that age and at the age of 14, right? You say that you were already thinking like that. That's crazy to think, man, because, you know, I think that there's so many people out there that can identify with this type of story. Yeah. You know, because I think that I, I know for, for, for instance, my, my son, and I think I've shared it with you. My son was actually when he was born, you know, he was born with um, um, one of his ear canals isn't fully open. Okay. And so... You know, when that experience happened, you know, as a, as a parent, and that's what it's going to lead me to my next question. I know as a parent, I mean, it just, it, it, in a way, like it, it, it crushed me because, because of that, you know, not so much because, oh, you know, uh, uh, my son, like I have to take care of him. Look what, look what, look how you he's You feel like born. you're responsible for that. Yeah, in a way. Like you, that problem became, you're the reason that his problem is this. Exactly. So, but also because, man, like how cruel sometimes people could be oh i got bullied hard i got i got made fun of hard and i got looks like so i can't hear but i i everything i read lips um i read body language yeah. i i'm really good at that um and i've had people just stare at me i can i i just i hated to be around people yeah. and to the point where i even hated people in general I just I, I just just I dislike people and growing up I as a pastor's son in church I would I was also angry with the people to like people in church and I'm like I, yeah. I don't know and like this whole Jesus thing like you know growing up in a Christian home I was like I, I had a lot of questions about it I'm like oh, I don't know about all this and, yeah. and my dad and my mom were so gracious with me to allow me to ask questions, but they were always trying to connect me, connect me, connect me with people, and that's the last thing I wanted. Yeah, and how was that? Cause like, yeah, like how, how was your parents like through this? Because, you know, like you said, you, you grew up in a Christian home, you know, uh, both your parents were pastors during that time. You know, how was, how was the support system from them? Well, um, it's interesting because I, I've always been close to my mom. Um, until I think about 14, 15, maybe, I don't, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe they saw something different in me and maybe they saw that I was really insecure and I had no confidence. Um, my dad one day came up to me and said, hey, you, you wanna go with me? I'm gonna go play some golf. I'm like, I'm not playing golf, that's an old people's sport. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? I'll give you 20 bucks if you can hit three, three balls consecutively. I'm like, all right, let's go. So we went to the golf range over in Loma Linda, and uh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I could not hit that ball. 
And I'm like, no, I can hit this ball. And my dad said, all right, well, you're at, a, you're at a golf range. Keep trying. And finally, I'm like swinging. I'm swinging the ball, swinging the ball. And he's right there watching, and he's laughing. And finally, I hit that ball, and it went straight forward. And I, and I just had like this pure ecstasy. And I'm like, holy moly, I love golf. <laughs> and, and it was like all this, like all this misses, all these things that I'm like, I'm, not, I'm missing the ball. I'm, I'm getting frustrated. But that one hit changed my life. And my dad's like, keep hitting and we kept hitting and it was just so much fun and then finally he's like you want to go to let's go on a golf course and then i got real close to my dad because of golf yeah. and we in golf you spend about three hours to four hours with that person yeah and yeah. so dad was just always like how are you doing and and we would just golf was like golf is definitely a ritual yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I can I mean I could talk about golf. I love golf. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Tell, and talk and about you and I go play golf, yeah, you know? Dude, and there's golf. like this there's like this there's like this this zone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's the purity, man, of it like, really like is. I could totally feel what you're saying because yeah, we, <laughs> that purity of when you hit that ball, man, when you actually connect the golf club with that ball and you send that thing flying, there's something that it hooks you. Yes, and then like, I'll never forget when I first got my first birdie and whew, like, man, I miss my dad. And I remember just like, I'm, I'm hitting the ball and I'm like, I'm all over the place on this course, you know? I hit this, I, I strike this iron and I'm landing on the green and he goes, oh my gosh. I'm like, he goes, you're off for the birdie. You know, a birdie on a four par, you're gonna get one under. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. He goes, and I was so close to the pin and a hole and he goes okay put it in and I just put it right in I got my first birdie and my dad was just so my dad my dad was over the top yeah yeah you know and he's just like I thought I won like a trophy I thought I won some money or something and and I'm like oh my god he's like you got it and it it was just like I needed that I needed somebody to celebrate me because I was I had no, I had no good narrative of myself. Right. My narrative was so awful. And that's man, and, and so many people go through that, man. And and congrats on that birdie, though, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I know Twenty-five got, years later, I'm still got, throwing I down. Know, you're still throwing down, bro, man. It's yeah, it's fun, man. But but you know what? Like it's it's just crazy because, and that's why, man. Like this can identify so much with people because the truth is, man, that sometimes we are the victims of our own narrative we are you know and and sometimes that narrative is caused by ourselves you know what i mean but a lot of times like in your situation that narrative was caused by by fingers pointed at you by words pointed at you by eyes you know staring unnecessarily at you and the type of trauma you know what i mean that that causes to to a child to a young man in their in their childhood and in their adolescent you know, to the point where they build a narrative. And I think that society, a lot of people, a lot of young men, a lot of young women, you know, because of things that they go through in life, they build a narrative. Mm-hmm. And and it's crazy how we believe these narratives in our lives. And we believe that, you know what, uh, who we are and what we go through is because of, of these decisions or it's because of this or it's because of that. You know, in your situation, you all because of your birth defect, you know, I mean, this is who you were destined to be, you know, but it's awesome that you had your dad in your life. Well, it's interesting that you say it like that because like my dad and my mom's message to me was like, 
you know, you have a you have a purpose, you know, and mm. like you're gonna do great things. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And, and they were always affirming me, always, always. And dad, dad would take and every time I strike the ball, he goes, Oh yeah. And like so golf was a really big association. Um, any sports. So like dad, one thing I, I, I look back and it's like we never really we never talked about girls ever. And but I would talk about girls with my mom. And I've learned that if you want to learn about girls, talk to girls about girls. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that's I, I that's, you know do that for your own ministry, your men's ministry. Yeah. Go if you want to learn, go talk to the, you know if you're going to learn about the opposite of sex, you should talk to them. You know, and I didn't know how to, um, and I was so oblivious when a girl did like me. I I I just I just canceled that. I, I that was not that was not an option for me. Yeah, you were you were you were believing in a victim of your own narrative. Yeah, and so I went around, I, I have some friends, you know, I grew up, I had like two, three best friends, and that's all I had in my life, and um, I just, you know, I grew up, I loved video games, NBA jams, you know, all that stuff, Mortal Kombat, and, and we just grew up, and we played a lot of like hockey because of the Mighty Ducks and all that stuff, and street hockey, and growing up, I just, my friends, they let me uh, distant myself from everything, but my parents were the opposite. My parents were like, you know, God loves you, you know, Jesus is love, and they were always telling me that the Lord is, you know, the Holy Spirit, and I, I and all that stuff. And one time we go to this camp, um, I did not want to be there, and I had such a sour attitude the entire time. My friend Eric went up to, like afterward, they had like an altar call, they wanted to pray for people, yeah. and I thought he got up to go to the restroom, so instead of going right, he made a laugh. And I'm like, what the heck? And, I'm like, and then like, I, I think this is like a Mexican thing. He turns around, he's like, get over here, get over here, because we don't do things alone. And I'm like. Your friend. Yeah, your friend. Eric is like, come on over here, come on, get up to the to get prayer. And I'm like, I don't want a prayer, I don't need prayer. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like bro, I'll just wait for you, and, and this whole thing. And, but like, Eric had an eye, like, he he do, he doesn't do this, but I'll never forget his face. He looked at me and goes, and he was very upset that I wasn't going with him. And I'm like, all right, I'm like, fine, I'll get up. And I got up and I'm, and something happened. And I'm walking down the aisle and I never made it. I never made it to I never made it to Eric. I just broke down and I started crying. And I don't know. I just got so overwhelmed. I don't know what happened. And the first person that came was one of my leaders who was dying for me to get up to go to this camp yeah. the name was Nick Benton and he got me and he hugged me and I just could not stop crying and he kept praying over me and he kept saying all these chains that are on you all these things and he just he just started just speaking this prayer of freedom over my life and I, I never stopped crying I woke up in my bed the next morning I don't know all I heard that Nick Benton carried me I'm weeping wow. and he carried me back to a dorm where I was staying at and I woke up the next day, and I can't. That 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 moment changed my life. Like yeah. I, I woke you? up. I was about 15 years 15 old. 15 years old. That was in 1997 in June, and I woke up on a summer of June, on a on a Sunday morning, and I'm just like something. Something I knew something was yeah, different, something. and I walk up and I felt like a feather flying, and I was like, "Hey, hi!" I was saying hi to everybody, and they were like, "What is wrong with Aaron?" Because I was a rude person. I was very, I was very scared of people, so I was I projected a lot of anger towards people. Yeah, that was kind of like your your shield. Yeah, my defense. 
I was always defense, always in defense, always had a comeback. I was yeah. always like, if somebody says something, I'm gonna come back at it. Yeah, you know, before or, it hurts you, you know what? I I'll, I'll be the aggressor. Yeah, and so that day, I I don't know how to say this, but like I was, I felt delivered. I felt like I I don't I know something was different. Yeah, and I I went back to my mom and my dad. I said, hey, this is what happened, and I, I'm like, I'm a little embarrassed that this happened, but I'm so happy it happened. Yeah, and so like my salvation was kind of embarrassing because I never I never got in control. I never got I just wept. Yeah. I didn't do like a prayer. I didn't do this whole thing. I just yeah. I just encounter love. Yeah. I felt so loved. It was that personal experience. Oh, it was so personal. You know, it's that it's that personal experience that so many times I, I know we I know that you you talk about it, we talk about it. How God really desires that personal connection with us you know and when we have that personal connection that that personal experience with him you know it, it doesn't become about religion no it, it changes you it changes you and i i'm gonna like that's what happened it literally changed me i started speaking in front of people at the age of 15 i started like doing bible studies and i had no i, I mean i'm like i look back and i like i can remember that i got it it was bad <laughs> bad theology bad bad preaching i'm screaming i'm sweating and and I, you know like i mean but it was all trial and error right yeah yeah and i'm now now i'm talking to girls for the first time and I'm, I've always had a friend who's a girl, it was Crystal, my friend Crystal Garrett, and she's, she's my, one of my, my dearest friends. We used to go to Glamis together and our family were close. Everybody thought we were gonna get married, but we were like, no, we're like best friends. Like, no, <laughs> like we were like our, like our, our partners in crime, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. But I really started like talking to girls at the age of 15 and I started talking and, and hanging out, and my mom was so happy, and my and then I also started making decisions: what kind of friends I want to have. And I and those two friends I had, I I, I kind of like left that. And then from there, I I've always knew something was big in my heart. Like I knew that I would create it for big things. Yeah. And I couldn't put a face to it. I couldn't put a picture to it. But I can feel it. I know it's there. Yeah. And. Um, I wanted to do a Bible college and I ended up going to, a, um, I ended up leaving at the age of 19 and I left for Dallas, Texas to do a Bible college. And that was my first time leaving and being on my own. So after that, would you say that after that experience at the age of 15, it just, it, it did change your experience? Like oh, in 100%. high school and everything? So I, I was able to look at myself and be okay with myself. Yeah. I had a, there was like a huge acceptance. Yeah. There was like, and I, I, I I remember being like 17 and people would stare at me and I would be okay. I'll be fine. Like, this is who I am. That was, yeah. that's part of my story. Yeah. And that's beautiful, man. Because like I said, once again, when, when you have that personal experience with God, you know, something truly does change within you, you know, and sometimes it's instant. Sometimes it is a process, but yeah. it's a beautiful thing when, when you're able to have that experience with him and the reflection that's in front of you begins to change. Hundred percent. I think it's. I think it starts change for me in that narrative and how I thought about myself yeah. is when I first accepted. Yeah, it is awful. Yeah, I, this is this is not pleasant to look at. Right, I, and that's what it is. Yeah. and I accept that. And but it doesn't define me. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So like, and that's how I was created. That's how I was designed. Yeah. And I have a speech impediment, but not forever. Yeah. I could change that. And so like, I've learned to accept. My weaknesses I've learned to accept my my strengths yeah. and then over the years of just you know I never thought in my wildest dreams that I was gonna be traveling 
over all these countries and serving in different ministries, preaching and teaching in different cultures. I never thought I would do that. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, man. So, I mean, you know, you, you went through what you went through as a child up until your adolescent life. And then at 15, boom, you get a big, there's a big life experience, man, where we call it the God experience. Yeah, right. The God experience hits, man, and it changes It changes your, your outlook on yourself. It changes everything. And so now you're at 19, man. And and so from 19 and on, man, what 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 big changes, what big moves happened after that? Uh, 19, all the way up to like my the end of my, my late 20s, um, I was, I've learned to live on my own. Um, I came from a, of a, like a very close Hispanic family. Yeah. A Spanish church. I have a great community of youth. Our youth group is awesome. Like I love everyone, you know. But when I left, I, you know, I, I, I like one of the girls and, um, and, and it just didn't work out and my heart was broken. And the little did she know she like set me up for success because I didn't, I instead of going to this Bible college looking for a girl, I generally just look for friends and I just became friends with almost everybody. And um, I remember going, living in a dorm and I never, and being on my own and there's a lot of things I did not know. Like, for example, like I didn't know how to do my own laundry. You know what I mean, like I'm like, how do you do that? Like, how do you, well, how do you, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And I remember, I remember, like, didn't I know? I didn't know who to ask. And, it, and the first person was a girl, and um, and she's like, oh my god, she's like, all right, come on. Now. And she walked into the dorm with me, and she's like, okay, she's like, I'm not doing your underwear. I'm like, I'm like, I know that. I'm like, just my shirts, just help me with my shirts. And she's like, okay, I so got the rest. I got the rest. <laughs> I'll do the rest. And she's like, yeah, all right. So she she taught me the basics, and and I, I've learned to to be a student of people by asking the right question, what I don't know. And so I just had people raising me on my own. And I kept asking like, okay, well, where do you go for food? Where's this? And I didn't, and you know, I love that time in Texas because I really became a student. And my dad always told me, don't go there because you know something, go there because you want to learn something. Mm -hmm. And and I've always been a learner from then. And so um, I, when I went to this Bible college, on my first, uh, my first summer there, I went to Cuba. And, okay, okay. And I, we basically snuck into Cuba. That was in 2002. Oh, dang. That's crazy. Yeah, it was like a, a crazy trip. And it was like a 21-day trip. And I went on a trip only knowing my friend Bibi. Bibi um, is from San Diego. So all us Cali people, California people, we all, we're, real, we're all like, we have like this connection in Texas. We're like, hey, what up? We're like, what's up, South Side? We're like, all right, cool, West Side, Best Side, you know, and we always mess around. And I was at the mail, and he's like, hey, you wanna go with me? I'm gonna go to a Cuba trip. And I'm like, I don't even know where, and I'm ignorant. I'm like completely ignorant about geography. I don't even know where Cuba is. I'm like, I'm like, where, like what city is that? And he's like, nah, bro, like that's a country. I'm like, a country? I'm like, like outside of America? And he's like, yeah, bro. Like, he goes, come on, let's go, go with me. And I'm like, so I checked it out and um, on my way there, I got this vision on my walk, Costa Rica. And I was like surfing on a yellow board in Costa Rica. And I said, hey, yo, I think I'm supposed to go to Costa Rica. And he's like, what? Like, out of nowhere. And he's like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I told him what yeah. happened. He goes, you know what? Before we, go to, we, before we go into our meeting, I'm going to pray that over you. And God will confirm whatever you need to confirm. He goes, but why are you thinking of Costa Rica? I'm like, I'm not. I just thought of Costa Rica. I, just I'm like, I don't even know where Costa Rica is, bro. And he's like, that's crazy. So then 
we go to we end up going uh, we end up going to Cuba, and we went to Havana, and then we went to Matanzas, and it was just amazing experience. But one night, I was sleeping in the uh, church, and I decided to go sleep on the on the roof, and in the city of Havana, I saw the whole city. And I'm like, I just woke up, and I was just admiring like this beautiful country. I love Cuba. Cuba is so amazing. We can talk about Cuba all the rest of this podcast, but <laughs> but this one night, I wake up, and this I know this with God because it was like a a, a whispered thought, and it was like this: This is going to be the rest of your life. You are going to do this for the rest of your life. I'm going to take you from nation to nation, country to country, culture to culture, people to people, and you're going to love everyone. And I said, yes, that's what I'm gonna do. That's what I would call to do. I'm call- that's my calling. Yeah. And I remember I never slept that night. And I told BB, I go, BB, I'm like, guess what happened? And BB was like my my homie. Like, you gotta, I wanna, I wanna connect you with BB. <laughs> and BB, uh, BB was like, bro, okay, let's pray. He goes, your next country is Costa Rica, bro. I go, I'm going to Costa Rica, bro. And so we end up going, and that's where I met Sarah in Costa Rica. And that's my wife. That's where you met, right there in Costa yeah, Rica. Yeah, Costa Rica. And my, my wife is from Canada. Oh, okay, so she was a Canadian in Costa Rica. Uh-huh. And you were an American in Costa Rica. Uh-huh. And you guys, as missionaries. Yeah, so I learned about uh, this this organization, this missionary organization in the Bible colleges, CFNI, um, about YWAM, Youth okay, with okay. a Mission. And I heard, I learned it from Lauren Cunningham, uh, the founder of it. The guy's a cool guy. And uh, and so I'm over here like, okay, I'm like, YWAM? Like, wham, wham? Or like, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. even say it. I'm like, I'm like, what is this thing? And so I thought it was just like this missions and you're gonna go do this this frontier thing, this Indiana yeah. Jones experience. <laughs> and it turned out to be another school. And I didn't, and I, I I graduated in 2003 in December and um, December and then 2003 and then 2004 January like pretty much a month later I go and moved over there. That's crazy. Yeah, and so I never been to the country and I'm doing this YWAM thing and then I meet Sarah and I meet my team and we were a team of 12 and and then they're like, okay, so lecture phase. And when I heard it was lectures, I'm like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, this is a school. You have like two months of lecture, and you have three months of outreach. I said, I just finished Bible college. I'm like, what did I do? I'm like, why am I here? And man, that that experience changed my life. And my Sarah, who is like my like my dear friend, uh, she was seeing someone, and I was talking to someone, but nothing serious. Yeah. And then, uh, but I would go to the city with her, and we would take a bus ride to the city called San Rafael, and we became friends, and I married my best friend. That's awesome, man, yeah. that's that's cool. And how was it, man? Like, I mean, was it was it ever intimidating being in a different country? <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I was freaking, t- I was terrified. I mean, you're like, you know, you're born, Anaheim born, you know what I mean? Uh, Grand Terrace, San Bernardino <laughs> County raised, and then boom, all of a sudden you're in Cuba, Costa Rica, I mean. I went to India and I went to uh, Holland. India, Holland. I lived, man. I was in India for two months. I lost 50 pounds. Wow. I was malnutrition, it was so hot. It was about, um, it was about 120, so high 120, but like Vegas oh, heat, wow. super dry heat. They are a vegetarian country and I just lost a bazillion I just lost so much weight I looked like I was super skinny that's crazy man out of all these these different countries that you visited 
traveling and everything. What what do you got to say is like your top best experience? Uh, you know, I, I that's a hard one because choose, I know it, because there's like all these experiences are are done with different people that are became really like dear to me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, and um, and so in YWAM, there's like there's such a it's a it's a it's its own world, right? Yeah, and it's a large organization. Um, and we've had I met some wonderful people and some weird people too, and like all the long way. And I, I just I seen some like weird That's things everywhere. on cultures, and I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, yeah. my dad does not fly in LA, you know. Um, but yeah, um, it, it, I guess it depends. Let, can we narrow that question down more to like, oh, is it a spiritual or a, like cultural? Let's say, yeah, what culture impacted you more? Oh, um, okay. That's a that. There's a okay. I, at the top one on top of my head. Um, this is more of like more, not so much of an impact, but more of a um, like shocked. Like it was just like I never been in this environment before. Yeah, I remember going to Panama. Okay. And we went to the uh, the in, in, uh, indigenous tribe, like the tribes, all okay. these different islands, and we had to take a canoe over there. And then there's like these naked people; they're all naked. And I'm like, holy moly, do they know that they have visitors? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, culture shock. So I was totally like shocked at the bro. moment. And then like, I mean, I'm a leader of this group, and I have like guys and girls, and I'm like, uh, yeah. What do you do? What do you say? Hi. <laughs> and 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 I'm playing soccer with guys that are naked and that's their culture. Yeah. And they were like, what the heck? And then like it, it, it was just it was just a trip. Yeah. And the way they live was all uh holistic. So everything all, all their medicine was all organic and these people look super young. They look so young. And I was just like blown away. And then um we went to another pl uh, village, and I had the privilege to baptize a chief. And wow. then when I baptized the chief, um, I baptized the whole village. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, so that was that's a really awesome. incredible yeah, like, that's, that's, time. That's so cool, though, man, that you're able to, and, and I love that you bring up that experience because I think sometimes, man, like, you know, we, we and that's where sometimes we can get so caught up in just religion. Yeah. You know, where we forget that there are different cultures in the 100%. world. And how do we how do we win people over sometimes when, you know, when we get culture shock like that? You know, when things happen like that where it's like, whoa, like this is not something I'm used to. Like, how do you use how do I use what I know in this situation? And like you said, you know, you just embraced it. Yeah, and it the the goal was not to clothe them. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's so crazy, right? Or like our goal, our our message is not. It's like here's here's Jesus. Now put on some clothes. <laughs> it's a cl clothing donations. Just throw it, out, throw, <laughs> yeah. throw it out. <laughs> and it wasn't anything like that. Yeah. And um, that was an incredible experience. I've learned that gospel is. It, it hits different and it should be hitting different in every other in every nation yeah you know but it has that same love and it has that same message and yeah and i the gospel i receive and the narrative i had hit me different than it hit you yeah you know so um that's one uh of many experience and uh, <laughs> um, you know i think i've been over over i think about 25 countries now wow 25 countries man favorite country 
Oh, I don't know. I don't. Uh. I can't. I I love Cuba, but I mean, I don't know. I can't. I I, I can't name one. Yeah, that's that's almost like an offense. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, twenty five countries, man. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and I'm not done. Awesome. I, I want to keep going. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And and it's crazy. You you so you were able to. So, so you meet your wife over there in Costa Rica. Where'd you guys get married? Oh, good question. Um, we got married. Um, over in okay, well, this is kind of funny. Um, we actually got married today uh, on on the twelfth. This today's the twelfth, right? Today, yeah, yeah, yeah it's the twelfth. Yeah, twelfth. Um, we le- legally were married on this day. Okay, okay, but we didn't celebrate it as this day. One month. In November, we had our ceremony in Canada, in Calgary. Gotcha, gotcha. And so she's like, okay, let's get married. And, but our our goal here, we were not going to live here, and we were not going to live in the United States, and we were not going to live in Canada. Yeah. We we're going to move to Chile, in Chile. And so we got married on November 12th, and that was the, that's our official day. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I just realized that we're... That Happy today's anniversary. Like, today. <laughs> <laughs> so today is like today was a legal day that yeah. you guys got married, and this was where in in Costa Rica. No, we got married. Okay, so we we she we were long distance okay relationship. She went back home to Canada. Okay, so she was then, already home in Canada. Yeah, she went gotcha. back home. She became a nurse. Um, she she well she studied to be a nurse and then I would go visit her she come visit us and then finally I just said I can't do this anymore I want to marry you yeah and we both knew that God was calling us to the country Chile and so I said hey um let's get married to you so we got married and while the crazy thing is she did all of the the wedding and I was in Ecuador at the time for like about a month or two and then I came home got all my stuff cheek and we drove our my jeep all the way up to Canada and we got married in November 12th, and we're going to be celebrating 17 years. That's awesome. 17 years of marriage, man. Yeah, and I've known her for 18. That's awesome, dude. Congrats. That's yeah, awesome, thanks. dude. That's a, that's a power, that's powerful testimony, even, like, you know, to, to our listeners, man. You know what I mean? That, um, you know, how you can meet someone, and, and, and when the love is there, when the love is real, man, you know, and, and when God is in the midst, you know? Yeah, definitely. It was definitely natural. She understood me, I understood her, yeah. like we understood each other's language. And what's crazy is that we're like completely day and night opposite. Yeah. You know, she our culture is completely different. Our foods are different. <laughs> the way we sleep is different. Everything yeah. is completely different. And we're good. Yeah. And we love it. I love her. That's awesome, bro. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. So, so tell me so so after so so after all that, man, you know, you guys get married, you guys move to Chile? Yeah, we moved to Chile. And then from there, yeah, it didn't really work out as we thought it was gonna happen. And so, um, and this is where it kinda like, on my heart, I've always wanted to be a director or some sort of a teaching director. Yeah. And um, I wanted to work with Youth With A Mission, the organization, and take over a base. And I was really hoping that that would be, I would raise my family um, in Chile, but that was not the case. Yeah. We ended up, we felt like we were supposed to come back to California. We came back with my parents, and then my dad's like, Hey, why don't you be a pastor? And I'm like, I don't want to be a pastor. He's like, Hey, everybody respects you. And I'm like, Oh, come on, man. Like, I don't want to do that. And I never want to do that. And, but I became a pastor. Um, 
and it was it was hard it was really hard i think the first two years we took a a, a church and i really felt responsible i felt like a, a complete failure um i think in 2009 we went from like 150 people to like 15 to 20 people consistently coming and i'm like i i felt like a loser my baby was about like sarah's pregnant in 2009 where and talia was going to be born in november and i'm just like i feel like this 2009 was a, one of the most awful year and the de- most defeated time that i just felt like god called me to live with a javelin and kill the church oh, and i felt like i felt like such a failure yeah and I remember just like I couldn't even worship. I like I would just preach, and I just felt so complacent. And I was just like, man. And then when Tally was born, I was really excited. I was really that was like the one thing that I was really excited. And yeah. I'm happy with my marriage, but we're both just devastated. So many people left us. And then um, one day, somebody came up to me, and they're like, Pastor Aaron. And I'm in my head. I'm like, why are you calling me Pastor? Like, stop calling me. A, like, just <laughs> my name is Aaron Ortega. Don't call me Pastor. I said it out loud. And I go, oh. And I go, oh. And she, and she looked at me. Sister Rachel Cabrera, <laughs> I love you. Um, she was like, you're my pastor. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, girl, you need Jesus. And she's like, and she goes, no, you're my pastor. And I want you to be a pastor. And I don't know what, I don't know why, but that built, that built me up. Yeah. And I became a pastor. And then I, and I'm, and we're we're slowly, but surely we started. Re, people started returning, and, yeah. and we're we're just doing our thing, what yeah. God had told us to do. And then, um, a few years in, I had this thing. It was God put it on my heart, go and work with YWAM Pismo Beach. That's up in North California, kind of Central Coast. Yeah. Um, and we moved there in 2013. We took our two little ones. We ended up having another one, Stella. So Talia, Liam, and Stella. Um, and we end up becoming directors over there in Pismo in Beach, Pismo Beach in YWAM, and it it was our we had a we had our dream house, something that Sarah and I dreamt, and we saw our reality come true, and it was That's crazy, awesome, man. Yeah, so from past, so you were right here, pastoring, man, and and that experience, man, and I know that that that's a that's a that's something that a lot of people don't understand, you know, yeah. about 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 pastors, man. Sometimes, you know. Uh, a lot of times, you know, pastors can be misunderstood, you know, and 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 what they go through, the challenges yeah. that 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 they go through when building the church. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, they don't see the struggles, they don't see the hurt, the pains behind. You yeah. know, what I mean, all that. You know, and um, but that was awesome how somebody it just took someone, you know, again the power of words, man, mm-hmm. the power of words, the powers of of um, of. Uh, of affirmation yeah of having a voice to say hey no no i remember when i went to pismo on the first day we were we were staying there we were staying at a, a beach house and the first week i was sleeping maybe 12 to 14 hours i did not know i was burnt i didn't know as a pastor i was wow. burned out i was and my wife was like wake up wake up and then finally one of the staff was like let him sleep he he looks like he's exhausted and i did not know that i was um i was struggling i was really struggling and so then when i went to pismo i i've learned so much i felt like i got a new reprogrammed brain and then um in 2019 um moving forward in in this timeline um i i was in a really bad spot 
Um, I was having so much anxiety. I don't know what was happening. I had I lost some friends uh, through. So I had some uh, friendship breakups, mm-hmm. and I lost some friends due to death. And then um, I was on, I was in Nicaragua, and I was in Guatemala. Okay. And when in Guatemala, I was with another staff. And we were with our students. These students were so cool. I love these students. They, they were a small, a small group. I love them. They were, they did great. They were excellent. But me, as a leader, I was awful. I was just like, I was in a really, really dark place. I don't know what happened. And yeah. I think it was like low key depression. And I spent my birthday all by myself. And the night, the night before, I had a, I had a panic attack. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was having a heart attack. It was just, and I, I had to call one of the students, uh, Mila, and she. She consoled me, she helped me, and I just knew I was losing a lot of weight, and I didn't know I was like lovesick. I was missing my wife, and I was just like in a very awful place. I felt very cold all the time. I get home, and the first thing my leadership told me and my wife, you guys gotta take a sabbatical. So we take a sabbatical, and the sabbatical was to get revision, your new base. Yeah. But in this way, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, I'm not in a good place, but I'm very happy. I'm with my wife. I'm starting to get my weight back. And then um, it COVID hits and the whole world goes yeah. on sabbatical. 2020. 2020. And um, we made it out in that country just in time. And I had the best year of my life. 2020 was like a revival for me. And I know that some people struggled in that, that year, yeah. but that was probably one of my most potent memory of my dad and my mom and um, my parents were like hey let's go to Monterey and let's just like go places and we're like yeah let's go and I went golfing with my dad and we went to the beach and we were just like and we just started seeing all these things and then um, during that time um, I felt I told Sarah that I think we need to go back and pastor in San Bernardino and she's like okay nothing's off the table and I said wait what I'm like I really don't want to go back to San Bernardino and I don't want to pastor but I feel like I I don't have any vision for YWAM Pismo I don't have any vision to live here right now right. I, all my vision and everything and I'm like but do you see it she's like I see it and, and I and my wife and I were partners or equal and I like to know when God speaks to her and she's like I feel like the Lord is speaking to me too yeah. and I'm like whoa I'm like oh my gosh and I say is this really happening and so we went back on Father's Day came down to San Bernardino we told my mom and dad and they were like so excited overjoyed and I'm like awesome and then December of 2020 came my dad gets COVID he goes into the hospital and I talked to him one time and I said hey well, how are you doing he's like oh, I'm doing alright I'm like Oh, I'm like, well, your, your hair looks good. And he goes, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, Dad, hurry up, get out. And that was my that was my conversation. And he died a week later after that. And so that just, I came back. He died in January 6th. I went, came down. I saw him. I said my goodbyes. And then during that, in 2021, he died. Um, that was an awful day for America. It was an awful day for me personally, losing my best friend. And then I'm moving, my house is packed, and I'm using my dad's truck, and I have to go get all my stuff. And I'm getting, I'm moving from my house to my parents' house just for a month. I have to get my kids online. I have to speak at my dad's memorial. I'm preaching on Sunday, the next day, for because 
And I, I just kept preaching, and that's how I became a pastor. And that's how I returned. And I'm going through so much trauma, and I'm and my my mom's yeah. upside down, my sister is upside down, my my nep my nephew and my niece, they're just like you can see the ghost left our family. Yeah. And so if like I can see that the church is devastated, and I said, what the heck? And I ne never in my life did I ever want to crawl in a hole. I wanted to be in a hole, and I was so terrified. And like, I still look back and it was like traumatizing for me, but I had to like hold my breath, suck it up, preach, minister to people, bury people, marry people. I, life has to continue. Yeah. And I was just like, but I, my, I was so angry and I was so sad. And I, was, I, I just felt, I felt like a mashed potato. Yeah, so like, yeah, cause you were, you were grieving, but in your own way. Oh, I know I wasn't, I never looked at it. I never looked at it. I never looked at it until. Uh, when 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 do you when would you say that you actually started to say, man, you know what? I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna grieve my dad. One year ago, and I and this is how I felt. I was so angry that it, my anger was turning to rage, and then my friend, um, one of my my dear like my brother, um, Andy and his wife were like, hey, for your birthday, for your fortieth birthday, and this was this year. Mm -hmm. We're gonna go to Mexico Tulum, and we want you to. We're gonna fly you out. I'm like, what? I'm like, no way. I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, yeah, let's go to Tulum. And Tulum was a vibe. It was so much fun, and we we had so much fun. And and they were like basically on their honeymoon because they could basically you know. Yeah. And but they are like they were like they're like lovers. And I, I'm like I'm digging in. I'm like cool, and I love it. I come back and there's issues. And um, I had a fan. I had a a meeting with my sister, my brother-in-law, and my mom, and it was me and my, uh, my wife, and we go to the office at the church, and my wife is like, don't blow up, don't blow up, and I'm like, all right, yeah, fine, I'm good, I'm good, and I blew up, and I, and I took everything out on my mom. I just, I just, and I feel so, I still feel awful for this, but I just, all my mom. Finally just, I just, and I arrived, I arrived one year later. Yeah, man, and that's that's tough, bro, because, I mean, that transition, and I remember, you know, I, I remember when, when everything happened, because Pastor Armando was a, he was a good, good dear friend, man, you know, to us, to my family, um, and, man, we, we love, we loved him. Yeah. We love him. He was amazing. He, he was he, fun. He's amazing, amazing. He's the one that got us into golf, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, but I remember in that transition when you guys were, going through all of that man and um i i don't think i could it's unimaginable i'm yeah. just gonna say that it's unimaginable but you having to continue you know because because of the legacy he had left mm -hmm. you know there was there was a lot that he left you know and he had left a a, a loving church a church that 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 truly loved him and loved his family loved you guys loves you guys and so you took that responsibility, you know, and I know that as a family, you guys took that responsibility, you know, but I think that a lot of people can identify with that. Yeah. Maybe not the same exact situation. But the feelings. The feelings. The experiences and the, it's all dark and it's like, yeah. and it's lonely. But I, I was, I was able to be here because I was surrounded by a really good community of people in my church. Man, Talk my church Talk about is, that, man. Talk like, about that. I, 
I would arrive and I, I wanted to go scream at the church and there'll be somebody there and they're like, hey, and I saw my dad everywhere and I found yeah. I found comfort every time I go to the church. I found comfort in seeing people. Um, I have friends calling me up like, hey, how are you doing? And like check in. Yeah. So when I blew up on my mom, my mom forgave me and she like, my mom is like, she was, she had like she had a crown on that mo- that that moment. Yeah. She had a crown of wisdom and she understood what happened. Right. And and, and it, it doesn't make it right what I said to her and yeah. it doesn't make it right how I I treated my mom. I I I love my mom like she's my my prize, my woman, my yeah. mom. But right away I had to apologize to everybody. I had to like own up, but they all saw me in my filth. They all saw me in my grief. I was I was I was ruined. And I got right away. I got a counselor. I got a grief counselor, and that changed my life. Yeah. I, I've been. I did not know that. When I when I arrived to my grieving, I was so angry because I was waiting to have a conversation with my dad, that I'm never gonna have, and that's why like when you and I talked. This I was washing my car and we were just talking and we ended up having like this dope conversation. I said, George, bro, this needs to be on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, for real, right? Yeah. And you're like, hey, I'm gonna do one. I'm like, dude, let me know. And so like this podcast is kind of like a shout out to my dad and my mom. Definitely. And like, I just want to talk. I just want to have conversations and just really just be open with my emotions and yeah. And it's also another form of grieving, you know, because I don't have that. Yeah. But then I realized, no, I do have that. And there are people that want to talk. Yeah. And there are people that want to go there. There are people that want to talk about how hard it was to traumas and, and uh, the mental states and the emotional states and of loneliness. And we're living in a, we're living in a different time today. And um, today I'm pastoring and I love it. Yeah. I enjoy it. Um, I'm... I love I love my community. I I'm enjoying it. Yeah, you guys have an awesome community, man. And I, I, I that's one thing I really do admire about your family, your dad and mom, and especially man. Um, and yeah, shout out to them, man, because they they are amazing, amazing pastors. I know they they help my wife and I, you know, through some very dark times. And I'm forever indebted to them and grateful to them. And and I'm so glad that we still have that friendship you mm-hmm. know that we're able to carry that friendship and and i'm still able to beat you in golf sometimes <laughs> oh, <laughs> relax don't even don't even start <laughs> you know with your sister and um you know and and sergio and everyone man I'm, I'm super grateful you know but what can you say man for for people that are going through that you know that are maybe because 2020 like we mentioned earlier it, it did affect a lot of people adversely good and and bad but i know a lot of people even to this day that are going through maybe that process of grief what would you I, say to them before i say that i didn't tell you that i lost my dad in january 6th a month before that i lost my grandpa his dad yeah and then two months before that i lost two of my uncles my uncle ruben and my uncle junior so I, I lost all that. Plus, I lost my best friend through a breakup, you know, relationship and all that stuff, and then going through all that. And what I've learned and how to answer that now, grieve is never meant to be alone. Yeah. You cannot grieve alone. There's no session as grieving alone. Yeah. And t- if you grieve alone, it's like it's almost like the most selfish thing you can do. You have to grieve with one another. 
Yeah. And I think uh, that's that's the whole calling of life. Yeah. Live together. Yeah. Live with one another. Serve one another. Love one another. Cry with one another. Yeah. Rejoice with one another. Mourn with the other. And I had I had some really I, you know I'm I'm like I'm emotional because like because I had some friends that really stuck with me. They saw the they they saw my crap. You know they mm-hmm. saw this ugliness, this wickedness, and I this everything that was in me. And yeah, you know it's almost like full circle of this narrative you know and like and like when you have when you have brothers and you have sisters and they cry with you and they they say you are not that person and you know what your dad he's dancing he's golfing now it's your turn to dance it's your turn to do this and i'm just like i don't know if i can do it and they say you have friends that can pick you up and like walk with you boom all right i got my sister my sister's like amazing i I, my mom my mom oh like I just, you know, I gotta, you know, I'm I'm blessed. And my yeah. my sister says it the best. Like she hit the family lotto, and she's <laughs> right. Like we have like such a family lotto. Like yeah. and it's just we we all eat together on Sunday and we live with one another. We put up with one another. We fight <laughs> with one another. We love with one another. Yeah. That's how you that's how you deal with it. You gotta yeah. you gotta move on with your family and you gotta continue to move and live. Yeah, and I think that's so that's so inspiring because it was actually something that I was going to mention earlier, but I'm glad that I'm I'm able to bring it up right now, and I think that that's attributed a lot to to your parents, to your dad, and to your mom. Like they really changed the pattern of life for you guys. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because a lot of times, you know, we're gonna you know even with my story and 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 even um, with your story, the childhoods that we went through, even though they were different. You know, and a lot of times when we tell our story, it, it can seem like, okay, who are we looking to blame? But it's not so much that we're looking for someone to blame why we are the way that we are or why we went through what we went through. Because at the end of the day, we do make our own choices. But I guess the message behind this with what you're saying is that, man, you know what? That's why it's so amazing to for us as parents. You know, and I think this is a lot for parents and even for those that are looking to be parents to really change the narrative in their own lives because 100%. because you know just like your parents they were able to create a culture a community they were able to be that support system that strong support system mm-hmm. where they they breed it into you to say no you are special yeah. you are somebody we are proud of you 100%. you know the opposite of what maybe a lot of people get but i believe that what we can learn is that okay we can identify all these things that maybe our parents missed, but how can we be better? Yeah, I think by everything you just said, I think it has to start with accepting the negatives, accepting what has been done, accepting what it is, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, and that's just accessorizing everything, you know. And I, I've learned that okay, there's some things I could change, there's some things I can't change, yeah. and I can make twenty million today. I can make $20 million, that's not gonna bring my, my dad back. Yeah. You know, any accomplishment I do, I have, there are some circumstances that are not gonna change. But, there's, I have $20 million, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I have that, you know, and what am I gonna do with it? And that's yeah. life, life is like, 
Life is your bank account. Life is what how you use not literally your bank account of money, but life is like kind of like where you spent. What are you gonna spend it on? What are yeah. you gonna use it on? What are you gonna what are you gonna use your time on it? And so you still you're still breathing. We're still in the land of living. Yeah. Keep living. Keep yeah. dreaming. Keep going. Yeah, definitely, so, man. Yeah, man. I, thank you for this. I no, appreciate that's this. awesome, man. Like I, you're, I, you know that, you know, so many cool things, man. That that your dad, you know, what I mean your dad did and, and, and how your dad was, man. And, um, you know, and it's not an easy thing, you know, to, I know that what you guys went through as a family, it was not easy to grieve, you know what I mean? And, and, um, and I think you gave some awesome, awesome pointers for people that, um, have gone through that or go through that. And then I think another thing too, man, is that, you know, there is no right way to grieve. No, no, just do it. Right? Just do it. Do it with somebody. That's yeah. it. That's all you, there's just, rather you just say everything in the book that you need to say, or yeah. rather you need to cry, or rather you just need to laugh hysterically, it just, there's no right way to doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's where I'm at, and I'm excited. That's my story. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Dude, so what, is there anything that you'd like to say, man, to someone that's, that might have listened to your story today, and they might be aspiring, you know what I mean, to, to do something that you've done, maybe they've had uh maybe they maybe they battle with low self-esteem or maybe they um are going through the grieving process you know with a lost loved one or maybe you know they're uh, you know thinking about taking that next step you know where they feel god is calling them to to the mission field or they're calling them to that next big task you know but they're maybe in fear what what would you like to say to them yeah um if you are struggling with being comfortable in your own skin or looking at yourself in the mirror or you're constantly being put down um, or you feel like you don't have a big destiny, accept that. Accept that you don't have a big destiny. Accept that, okay, I'm ugly or I'm this, that's fine. And be okay with that. And then simply live. I simply just lived and I saw opportunities and I said, oh, I saw opportunities because I stopped looking at my negatives. I stopped looking at my problems. I stopped, I stopped focusing on everybody else and my eyes saw opportunities. Mm. So go look for the opportunities and stop saying this ugly stuff about yourself. I'm not teaching my kids how to speak awful about themselves. Speak well of yourself. Don't say that, oh, I can't do this. Or, oh, that's just, that's what we always did it. No. Speak well of yourself. Speak well. Look at yourself and love yourself. Love yourself so that you can be filled with this abundance love and it can overflow to other people. That's how life is meant to be lived. It's to first love yourself, just as God created you to be. God created you and you say, oh man, I can't do this and I'm and just, just stop, just stop. Just accept where you're at and just love yourself. And just maybe you might love other people like the way you loved yourself. Mm -hmm. That's good, man. There you have it, guys, man. That was an awesome, awesome story, man. Thank you so much, Aaron Ortega, uh, man, for, for being able to, to share that. And thank you so much for your transparency, man. Of course. Thank you so much for, for that. And Remember, guys, man, you know, don't forget to follow us, man. Don't forget to hit the like button. 
share it share this story man with someone that you know is going to impact you know we want to continue to encourage people we want to continue to inspire people to have those real authentic conversations let's go baby let's go thank you so much offbeat podcast until next time uh, what, what? let's go baby.